we are Centerpoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. It's really good to be with you. Uh, I've got a cold or just getting over a cold, so I'm not going to be uh, as energetic and use my voice so passionate as I usually do. Um, it's really good to be with you. Uh, I haven't been here for many years, but uh, it's a great church. And uh, we thank God for the elders here. We thank God for Boggles and Jill who led it so well. And now really excited to uh, see Chris and Catherine taking on the reins. And uh, they're a fantastic gift to you from the risen Christ. And I hope you're enjoying them. Um, I uh, have brought some lunch. Uh, I just wonder if you could tell me, anyone in the room, do you, anyone, does anyone know what this is? A what? An apple. An apple. Very good. I mean, you're pretty good. Uh, that's going to be an illustration for later. But actually, you might just turn to the person next to you and say, say to them, do you know that you're an apple? And I'll explain why. As by the end of the by the end of this message, you'll understand why. <clears throat> it's uh, it's spring, and uh, we were travelling back yesterday to London, and uh, the train went by a garden centre, and we looked down. It was a sunny day, and just amazing how many cars, how many people packed the garden centre. Anybody visit a garden centre this weekend just to see how many gardeners are in the room? None of you? Oh, well, one or two. Okay, so not many gardeners here. Well, that's amazing. Not old enough. Not old enough. <laughs> Alan, I'm amazed with your beautiful garden. You should have uh, influenced the church by now. Well, the funny thing is about garden centres is we all go there with, uh, well, we don't quite know what we're going to do in the garden this year, and then we come and look at the pictures and we look at the packets and we think, oh, I fancy some poppies and some anti-winum, some gazanias. And we start helping ourselves to packets and we go home full of visions of our garden being the next home and gardens, the next Monty Don visit. It's going to be beautiful this year. And, but you know that the vision and the reality are often <clears throat> very different. We forget all about the seeds, or we plant them too late, or we plant them with too much soil, or we overwater them, underwater them. And maybe we just get to like one seedling, which is our prized seedling, which we plant out with great joy into the garden, only to come out the day after to realize the slug has had its lunch and, 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 and you've got nothing to show for it. We, um, we are part of a movement of churches we call Commission. And uh, we call ourselves Commission after the Great Commission found in Matthew uh, chapter 28. And uh, thank you. And in Matthew 28, it says this, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus had a vision for the world. It was of a world that was transformed by the love of God 
to be like a garden. Eden was lost right at the beginning of the Bible. Jesus brings about his kingdom, inaugurates his kingdom, and talks about a transforming kingdom that changes the world. And uh, we in commission say we, we have a vision of seeing thousands of lives transform hundreds of churches in tens of nations. But the heart of this is discipleship. And discipleship is to take a seed, a person who becomes a Christian, and to sow and to nurture and to grow that seed until it becomes mature, full of life, full of fruit. And uh, the reality check is that most churches in this nation resemble garden centres, not gardens. People come to church on Sunday, they like hearing the preachers, they see the PowerPoints and they go, wow, I tell you what, this year, this church, my home, my workplace, I'm going to plant tons and tons of seed and yet the reality is there's not much to show for it. After a good start, there's not much to show for it. And so I want you to think this morning of this church that you're part of and I want you to think of your part in this church and think about what lies ahead of you this year as you work through this book uh, The Blessed Life of the Kingdom of God it's, you're not going to be blessed at all unless you put it into practice reading it won't do much good it's just the beginning of the process so please read that and then discuss together and pray together and think about Guildford being transformed to being like the Garden of Eden, your workplace, your school, your neighbourhood, this street. That's what God has in mind. Psalm, uh, sorry, Isaiah 58, 11 says, You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And so the reason I'm passionate about um, the Sermon on the Mount is because I believe I really do believe this, that a lot of people have become Christians and a lot of Christians believe that all Christ wants for them is to do church for a few hours every Sunday and that's it. That's the deal. You become a Christian, good for you. You need to turn up at church. Jesus is watching. Don't skive. You know, he's going to do a roll call at the end of the age. How many times you made it to center point? Ooh. Who's the best? They have been sold a lie that actually the, Jesus, when he announces and begins his ministry, announces the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven as Matthew describes the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is here. And then he preaches to his disciples the, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Luke talks about the Sermon on the Plain. Same sort of narrative. But he talks about what the kingdom looks like. And uh, we're going to... Go there, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5. And I just want to ask you this question. Are you flourishing in the kingdom of God? If we were to meet on the way out, I'm going to shake all your hands. All out. I'm not going to do that, but if I was the old-fashioned pastor, I'd want to ask everyone, are you flourishing? Because God's desire, God's will for each of us is that we flourish. So let's read, turn in your Bibles please, to Matthew chapter 5, and uh, I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 12. 
Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up onto the mountains, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, <coughs> Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Then Jesus goes on into the sermon. And it's an amazing sermon to describe what a Christian life, what a disciple life, what a flourishing life looks like. Too many verses to just reference here, but let me just surmise and bring together when I'm asking the question, are you flourishing? Are you enjoying God? Are you fruitful? Are you bringing change? Are you swimming against the tide? In the midst of battles, are you knowing God's comfort? Are you finding delight in reading the Bible? Do you feel this freedom, the kingdom freedom, to give away your money joyfully and deliberately? In Brexit, with all the uncertainty, do you know intimacy with the Father who's on the throne, who clothes the lilies on the, of the field and feeds the sparrows? Is your prayer life one that is growing? Do you find that you are building your family and your life upon a rock? Are you hiding behind a religious mask or are you free to take off and let yourself be seen as God made you to be? No? Yes? Maybe? Not much um, uh, of this series will help you unless you say, yes, that's the way I want to go. How, how you start, how we start even today will determine how you finish. If you don't put your roots down, you won't have the life God intended for you. And just by way of introduction, the Beatitudes build. You need to understand there is a sequential nature. Jesus didn't pick sort of a few ten random thoughts and say, okay, just pick which one you like. No, they're building one upon the other. So you might say, actually, I, I really love the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers. I want to be a peacemaker in the world. I want to bring the rule of Christ to my workplace or to the streets because I'm a policeman. Now, you can't start there. You've got to start blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn because as you see and as you go through this, you'll realize Jesus has a deliberate sequence of how we build our lives to be a one that flourishes. So he says, number one, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, what on earth does that mean? What's blessed? Who are the poor in spirit? 
What is the kingdom of heaven? You need to be able to answer these questions, otherwise these words just go straight over your head. So let me start by looking at those three questions. Well, let me answer those three questions for us. What does it mean to be blessed? Well, typically, blessed has been translated happy. Happy Mother's Day, by the way, to all mothers. Happy Mother's Day. Happy. Happy. Let's be happy. Happy Christmas. Happy Christians. Be happy. Come on. Let's all be happy. Make sure you're happy on the way out and happy in your marriage and happy in your children rearing. Happy at work. What, is, what does that mean? Does it mean, as some have interpreted, that we walk around sort of with a smile on our face? You're looking miserable. <laughs> I'm happy. I used to, I mean, I went to a brethren church when I was a young Christian and there was this bloke who never, ever smiled and he said, my happiness is deep. <laughs> I mean, deep. It was like the deepest mine in the whole of South Africa. I mean, you'd never, ever know this guy was happy. I've got the joy of the Lord and it's deep. Well, I'm not convinced. We've interpreted the word blessed, which if you look in the Oxford Dictionary says fortunate, favoured, holy, which is all good and actually true to the, its gospel origins. We are favoured, we are chosen, we are adopted. It is all grace that has brought us into this place of fortune or favour or holiness. But the word, the Greek word is Makarios, it's used 13 times in the Sermon on the Mount, 50 times in the New Testament, and 26 times in the Psalms. And in those Psalm instances, it's describing something which is biological rather than something which is superficial or mental. It's describing biological life. It's, it's describing what we might call flourishing. And Jesus... As he begins to unpack what the kingdom of God is like, he wants his disciples to know that the life that God wants for you and for me is one that flourishes. When we think of a plant, when we think of a tree, we think of something which is either dry and dead and end of its life or seedling or nurture, but actually we long like spring, when the trees are covered in blossom, we long for flourishing. Trees and plants to flourish, to flower, to bring fragrance, to bring fruit, to bring transformation. God wants that for each and every child of his. And it's the question you must ask when you come to prayer, you must ask when you come to church, am I flourishing? And if I'm not, if I find myself in a desert place, if I find myself in a place of winter or spring, God has not finished with me yet. God wants to bring me into another season of flourishing. And Psalm 1, verses 3 and 4, is a good place to read what flourishing looks like. Psalm 1, verse 3, I'll read this. He is like, she is like a tree planted by streams of water, yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither all that he does all that she does prospers 
So the prosperity gospel, whilst we reject the nature of going after riches for themselves, has a truth in it. God prospers his sons and daughters in this world. He causes them to flourish. He causes them to have homes and jobs and, and wealth, not for themselves, but for the world's blessing. So there are three key aspects I would suggest to you of what the flourishing looks like. Described in Psalm 1. Firstly, it's roots. Psalm 1 says its roots go deep into streams of water. You cannot live the life God wants for you unless you are rooted in Christ. You are rooted in God's promises, in God's word. I think today we think that we can soundbite the Bible. We can just live on a tweet or a blog or a quote of the day and that will be enough for us to live as Christians. We need, if we're to see our lives, our church, this church flourishing and being everything God wants it to be, we need to go deep with the Bible. That means you read it. This is really complex, isn't it? I can see you're going, right, okay, Bible, read it. I didn't think that was coming. Reading the Bible and allowing the Bible to read us. I was talking to a young guy I'm discipling at the moment, and he was saying he's come to this realisation that he has to speak the promises out loud to himself in order to start to really come into the good of them. And I thought, oh, that's a really interesting thing. It's a really interesting lesson for everyone in this room. It's not just reading a scripture and thinking, oh, okay, I think I've understood that. It's actually telling yourself this truth. It's reading those scriptures, maybe out loud, and telling yourself truth. We have to go deep into God's word, rooted and grounded in Ephesians 3.17, in his love that we may have strength. You feeling weak today? Feel a bit of a wishy-washy Christian? I'll tell you, you don't get wishy-washy Christians who spend time in the word of God. They get their strength from spending time reading the Bible. It sh- shoots. It says in Psalm 1 that its leaf does not wither. Do you know you can tell what kind of tree it is by its shoots? You know that, don't you? One of the first trees out in spring is the horse chestnut. It has a unique bud. You can look around as you're driving, oh, there's a horse chestnut, it comes out. You can tell an oak tree and a lime tree and a hawthorn, their shoots and their, their leaf comes out. God wants you to be putting out life in every season. You're meant to be growing in every season. Joseph was described as a fruitful vine, a vine that grew over the wall. You're meant to be always putting out a new trail of life wherever you go oh, we've just moved house you go, there's another opportunity to grow over a wall to put your your shoots out we just moved to a new school there's another opportunity it's a new season it's a new year time for new shoots new ministries new opportunities the life that god has put within you is a life that should always be finding new ways of growing into new areas you aren't a christian you're not a pot plant you're not put there and think well that's what he's going to be for the rest of his life and fruit. It says it yields its fruit in season. Did you ever read the Gospels? And are you ever struck 
by how much Jesus emphasizes fruit. I've, I meet so many super spiritual Christians who go, uh, we're not interested in fruit. Jesus is just interested in our character. Jesus is interested in what we are inside. He's not really interested in what goes on outside. It's all about me and my relationship with God. Jesus talks about fields. He doesn't say, oh, beautiful harvest fields. Beautiful, just love the golden fields. No, he says they're ripe for harvest. He comes to a fig tree and he looks for what? Figs. He doesn't come to a fig tree and says, that's a good fig tree. Tell you what, I've seen fig trees, but boy, this is a big fig tree. I love the fig tree. Just love the leaves. No, he comes looking for fruit. He tells a parable of, of, a, of a farmer who's taking out valuable space for a fig tree and it hasn't borne any figs. And he's going to chop it down. And, and the parable was, no, give it another year. Dig around it. Dig around it. Let's see if we can, another year's worth of investment might produce fruit. God wants us to be fruitful. He wants you to be fruitful. Now it's true, and I'm not arguing this, that the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, etc., are a natural result of our abiding in the vine, abiding in Christ. We will bear those fruits. They're important fruits. They're vital fruits. But he's also saying that disciples produce disciples. Church leaders produce church leaders. Prophets produce prophets. Disciples produce after their own kind. And so you think of the life of, that you've enjoyed in God. You think of what God's done in your life since you've become a Christian. God says, I want to see that in others. For parents, that might be in your children as you raise children. For people in children's work or people who are caring from the, for the poor in this church. People who have been rescued from that lifestyle. God wants you to go in, back into that world and see fruit. So to be blessed is to be rooted is to be shooting out life, God's life, and it's to be bearing fruit, yes, of the Holy Spirit, but also replicating the DNA of your spiritual life. So that's what it means to be blessed, makarios. Very important word. I felt, just to say this, as I was praying for this church and coming to this church this morning, I saw a picture of a fire station. And I felt God wanted to say to you, as a church, you need to build a fire station here. And uh, I believe in time you'll have a building, your own building. And it will be like a fire station. It will be unique. It will be known in the town. It will be known in the city that this is the place to encounter God. But here's, here's the lessons I felt as I was praying about this last night. I feel you've all got to get on the fireman's pole. I think you've got to learn to get on the fireman's pole. And you've got to lower yourself. And I think this, these series will help you to understand that actually the life of God is found not in human effort or human pride or human wisdom, but in lowering yourself to the lower floor in humility. I feel God wanted to say to you, one of your biggest harvest fields will be with children. You're going to have an incredible children's ministry that reaches right across the town of Guildford. 
One of the greatest ministries you'll have is amongst the poor, the people that are lower and people that you don't normally get along with. But God says, I want you to lower yourself. I want you all to learn. It's not for Chris or Catherine to learn how to go down the fireman's pole. You've all got to go down the fireman's pole. And I felt this as well as I saw this picture last night and praying into it. You need to don the uniform. You need to be pleased and proud. You're part of this group of churches, this, this church, Centrepoint Church. Discipleship is really important. You're, yes, we're just ordinary people, saved by grace, amazing grace. But actually, we're really proud to be wearing the uniform of Christ, rescuing people. That's our job. Our job is to rescue people. Within a yard of hell, our job is to rescue them. And uh, the third application is rather than put fires out, I think God wants you to start some fires. Fires of his Holy Spirit. Start, starting in your own prayer meetings here. God says, I want you to be a house of prayer. I want there to be a fire which burns. And you younger, younger men and women in this room, be part of that wild fire conflagration. Allow that fire, that passion. I love the worship this morning. It's a great job by the band and obviously technically you're very clever as well. But just beautiful worship and let that build. Let the passion, let that build into prayer. Not just into song but into prayer and see what God will build here in terms of rescuing hundreds and hundreds of lives from lostness into his kingdom. Amen. Okay, so secondly, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Would you say you were poor in spirit this morning? I don't know what it means. Well, in many parables, Jesus describes his kingdom, Matthew 13 is a good one to look for this, as seed. Now, seed you could describe as poor in spirit. You look at a seed in your hand, and Jesus talked about the mustard seed. He said it's the smallest of the garden plants, insignificant, overlooked, drop it, can't find it. It's tiny, it looks dead, and yet planted in the right circumstances, it becomes the biggest of all garden shrubs. In fact, it takes over another picture of his kingdom. Inside a seed is DNA, the DNA that can produce a plant and colour and life and that is what it means to be poor in spirit to understand that actually not you but God has put within you his life his DNA so when I'm saying about making disciples making other followers of Jesus Christ he's not saying and I'm so pleased I've chosen this person that person because they're really good on their own at doing this stuff. No, he's saying inside, what I've placed inside every person in this room is the DNA of life, the gospel. So blessed are the poor in spirit. We know what poverty means materially, and the Bible describes poverty as a person without voice, representation, resource, home, food, clothing, or country. We would describe it as hopeless in, 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 in a simplistic way. We'd say, what does it mean to be poor? In today's world, it means to be hopeless. 
It means to be a refugee in the middle of the Mediterranean on a raft which is sinking, the air's going out of it, there's no more fuel, there's no hope, there's 70 people on board and the boat is going down. They're hopeless, they have no way of saving themselves and then a lifeboat comes. It's a person who has just had an accident. He's on the side of the road. He's bleeding out. He has no hope. He needs blood and he has no resource within himself to save his life. And suddenly the paramedics arrive. Suddenly there's blood and plasma and he finds life. It is hopeless situation. And then there is rescue. There is grace. So poor in spirit is to understand in the same way we can be poor in material, so in spiritual, we are exactly the same. We are, the Bible describes us as dead. Ephesians 2 verse 1, as for you, you are dead. It's a hopeless case when you come upon a dead body. You can't do anything about life with a dead body. You can't wave at it. You can't put on a show. You can't wave fragrance in front of it saying, hey, how about doing this? It's dead. It's hopeless. That is how we were spiritually before God. God didn't just walk by and put on a show or try and get some sort of life that was already there and help it along. We were dead. Dead as a door now. But God... Ephesians 2 verse 4, who is rich in mercy because of his great love made us alive in Christ. Now one of the best verses I've, I've, I've read recently and it was in my own quiet time that I read this that describes our conversion is this in Ezekiel 16. As at your birth on the day you were born your cord was not cut nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in clothes. No eye pitied you, but you were cast out into an open field. You were aboard on the day you were born. And when I passed by and saw you wallowing in your own blood, I said to you, in your own blood, live. I said to you, in your blood, live. I made you flourish like a plant of the field. We had no means of earning God's grace, his favour. We were wallowing in death and Christ came to us and said, live. That's what Jesus says, is blessed are the poor in spirit. There is no one in heaven who can ever boast of their own merit. We were all lost we're all dead and the gospel came to us and God in his infinite mercy said live and then he clothed us and he put us in Christ and we became that flourishing plant Christ saved us not that we might just be forgiven or cleansed or restored but that we might be brought straight into the life of God and that's DNA released in us. If you want to flourish, you make much of Christ, much of the cross. 
much of the salvation. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's where all life begins. That's where we begin our daily life. That's why the church must go back to the communion table regularly because it reminds us that Christ took the initiative. Christ came and rescued us who were poor and brought us into his life. And he is the one who said live. He is the one who says be fruitful. He is the one who says flourish because when we recognize we contribute nothing but sin, we can suddenly step into the very life of the Holy Spirit and the promises of God because we know we can't, we, the pressure isn't on us. The DNA in us is what God's put. Amen. And we release that into his hands and into his promises and we find ourselves flourishing. So what is finishing, what does the kingdom of heaven look like? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Romans 14 verse 17 says this, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven as Matthew calls it, is an umbrella, which is an umbrella which stretches right the way back to the Garden of Eden and the promises of God is right underneath over us right now in the present and actually extends right into the future when the final day will come, when the kingdom will be fully realised and God's presence and rule and reign will be with us on a new heaven and new earth, brought together wonderfully, where we will reign with him for all eternity. In layman's terms, because we like layman's terms, it, what does my workplace look like when Jesus is fully in charge? What does Guildford look like if Jesus was in charge? What does Centrepoint look like if Jesus is standing here this morning, not God? What does it look like? Because in Revelation, he walks amongst the churches. And when he walks amongst his churches, his lampstands, he addresses his churches lovingly, but courageously, and, and does rebuke them. People have described the kingdom of heaven like this, dynamic, the dynamic ruling of Christ in every situation through his people. Or the king's power over the king's people in the king's place. So that means for you and I today, well, you, you and I, if you're a Christian, you're, you're the king's people. Uh, so where you go to straight after this service, where you go to tomorrow for work is the king's place. Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. There isn't a secular sacred divide. It's all sacred. Whether you work in the media, in education, whether you're road sweeping, whether you are not employed, doesn't matter. You're the king's person. And you're bringing the king's rule wherever you are. So drilling down for you today... What does flourishing look like for you? Well, it may be you pray for the sick person and they get healed. That's flourishing. It may be there's deliverance today and strongholds of greed and lust and bitterness and unforgiveness are broken. It may be flourishing in generosity today. Freely you've received, freely give. It may be your family today, which has been through a hard winter or your health has been through a hard winter, suddenly knows the spring and the touch of God's. It may be for this church to grow, firstly in its depth, 
doing the Sermon on the Mount, but actually also in terms of numbers of people being made disciples and number of people becoming Christians. It may be for new leaders and churches to grow up in this place and to go out to plant churches in other parts of the UK or even the world. That's flourishing. It may be this church needs to be connected more to the apostolic vision to understand that we're not on our own in Guildford. We're not just doing our own thing in Centrepoint. We're part of a worldwide family of churches. In New Frontiers terms, it's 2,000 churches almost across the world. In, in commission terms, it's over 150 churches around the world that are seeing and advancing and praying for the kingdom of God. So the all-important question, which we started with, is what do you see? Because most of us just see an apple. Most of us just see this is our life Sunday by Sunday. I see a seed carrier. I see every single one of you carrying the DNA of life. In fact, truth to tell, I don't even see a seed. And I don't even see another apple tree. I see an orchard. Every apple has the opportunity and the DNA within it to produce an orchard. You, one single believer, one single disciple of Jesus Christ, have the opportunity to produce untold numbers of life, untold numbers of apples and seed carriers themselves, because you carry the DNA of Christ, the DNA of life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so I'm going to pray for you as a church that you realize what God's put within you, that there is a huge future ahead of you. And as you grow deeper in terms of the Beatitudes, you will flourish. Would you like that? You will grow into the man or the woman of God God created you on earth to do, to be and to do. You will not just have one life, one apple that everyone sees, oh, he's an apple. In you will be unlocked seed and trees and saplings, even orchards, because you are flourishing in the kingdom of heaven. So why don't you stand, worship group, if you want to come back up. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our salvation. We thank you for your grace that's upon us. And I want to pray today, Lord, as this church uh, starts to dig into your word, I, I pray first, first and foremost that we would be doers of the word, not hearers. Lord, don't let anyone be deceived this morning thinking this message somehow will do them good without them doing something about it. I pray every apple that's heard the word of God, I pray there'd be a release of seed. I pray, Lord, the DNA, the gospel you've put within us will be released. I pray for salvation in this church this week. One person getting saved. It might be a child, it might be a relative, it might be a workmate. But I pray, Lord, that we, you would unlock 
this church's potential in terms of salvation, in terms of disciples being made. I pray, Lord, for a fire station, a fire station that rings loud and clear at the fun day, Lord, and right across this year that people would know there's a church in town that loved Jesus. I pray for fires to be started, a fire here for prayer, but Lord, a fire in terms of the life of God in our schools and colleges. Lord, I pray for children to be saved. I pray for an amazing kids' work to be established here. I pray for the poor and needy, people who are living on the street, people who are living in the worst estates in Guildford. I pray, God, let them hear the news that there are people here who love Jesus and therefore love them, that they're poor in spirit. They don't refuse to go to where the need is because, Lord, you came to where the need was for us and you rescued us. So I pray, Holy Spirit, let this seed find good soil in every heart. Let the fruit of this be that lives are transformed, disciples are made in this place, and that the gospel starts to spread out further and further from this place. Bless the elders here, Lord, bless this church, and may your glory be seen in this place. Lord, increasing degrees of glory, I want to pray. Let this church flourish because your good hand is upon it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.